0: Hello and welcome to Caravan Podcast, a show about Pakistan's startup ecosystem where we have intimate conversations with founders and investors driven to catapult Pakistan into the digital age. We'll discuss what it's really like to start a business, the highs and the lows, the setbacks, the comebacks, the lessons everything i'm your host as always Ahmad mia partner at caravan a community-driven venture capital platform now given the nascent ecosystem there's a massive spread between the talent in the country and the resources that are available to support them our mission at caravan is to close that gap by providing both capital and expertise at the earliest of stages you can find more information about caravan at (laughs) www.caravan.vc In this episode, I sit down with Maheen Adamji, the co-founder of Dot & Line, a startup in the edtech space aiming to bridge the gap in quality education across the country. So without further ado, let's get straight to Maheen.
1: I'm not an entrepreneur that started, you know, with this very big idea that I wanted to execute. Um, it's really this almost cliche story Literally out of a garage. Uh, I graduated from the LSC, did econ, came back. Um did not want to go near education was pursuing my passion of becoming a journalist. Yeah. Uh, you know, Michelle Hussain was, you know, where I wanted to be, you know, eventually BBC or came back to Pakistan, got into investigative journalism and um, very soon after won this presidential uh, nationwide award for some of my work that I did in Leari. was really enjoying that space there. Uh, loved writing, but my my interest in education really came with the birth of my daughter, Leah. Um, you know, when she was born, I started to really look and read into cognitive development, how children mm-hmm. learn, what's out there, kind of mapping out my own experience in education in Pakistan, believing and understanding that children uh, are born with this innate curiosity and th- this immense potential. But what are we doing to You know, unlock that in Pakistan. How we, how's the education system structured? So right at the base level, started to speak to one of my best friends, who's uh, my partner, Lina, Um, and we got talking about what's out there. Um, Went and visited schools, sat through classrooms, and eventually saw something. um, You know that there was this systemic failure in Pakistan, and you know there's a lot of narrative around out of school children, and Mm -hmm. as crucial as that is sometimes we miss the fact that there are 8-12 million children in school in Pakistan and their learning outcomes you know are just abysmal so you know children attending private schools in Pakistan at the numeracy and literacy uh, have the numeracy and literacy levels in seventh grade of a second grader um and that 50% of them, um, and you know this this has been done through several research uh, case studies conducted across uh, the board. That's where we got started. And like I said, there was no yeah. Go ahead.
0: And this is not even including the illiteracy rate because Pakistan has a massive illiteracy. No, rate as well. wow.
1: no. So and this is not including children in government schools. These are low cost private schools. They're children who have the privilege and the opportunity. Uh, to go to schools and to go to these private schools around the corner. Um, And that's where we really got thinking. And the initial idea was, um, let's see if we can set up this experimental learning lab. Um, You know, got my mom to give out, you know, give us her garage, put about 100,000 rupees into this each, whatever we had, you know, whatever savings that Lena and myself had, put those in and said, You know, how can we just create this experimental center, get kids in, have them pay a fee, um, and rethink how math and literacy is taught. So Lena was coming from her acumen and literacy background, uh, a trained literacy expert. So we started working on these uh, programs and really the story takes off from there. Uh, What we started noticing, I bought my journalistic background into this. I was blogging, you know, speaking about how I saw education, what needs to change. And it really resonated with people. beyond the defense clifton uh, niche right so we had women writing to us uh, from uh, gulistan-e-johar gulshan ekbal Nazmabad, from kashmir from and you know from gujranwala and saying you know we get you know what you are speaking about and how can we be part of this um and there were two core things that really stood out and i'll stop to maybe take a question after that um one um more than affordability, there was proximity, which was a problem
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: for a lot of women, for a lot of children in Pakistan. So access to world class learning, uh, I believe, and dot in line, that's our vision and the mission that drives us every day, is that the, the next great you know scientist inventor whatever they're there how can we give them the tools by which you know we're unleashing their full potential so there's proximity and there's affordability and those are the two points the problem pain areas that we had in mind when we started to whiteboard uh, what a broader scalable solution in ed tech would look like
0: so how with those learnings and those, those, those mission statements in mind, how did, how did the evolution of Dot Alliance product kind of come about and, and so, could you describe the product today?
1: Yeah. So like I said, very, very rugged start. Uh, eventually, you know, with that seed money that we had put in, grew that small experimental experimental learning lab, grew, you know, the audience eventually broke even in six months, moved to a commercial space, uh, expanded the repertoire, the menu of classes, was still thinking on whiteboarding a bigger solution. At, right at the outset, we knew bricks and mortar wasn't the answer, right? So when you bring in the property prices and rent and Bijli and Pani, and you know, it, it wasn't going to work. Um, and then surprisingly, you know, we were having this conversation, and as a mother, I was struggling myself. I mean, my little, the, the second one was due soon, and um, you know, all of these conversations were going on. And I said, you know, we did a little bit of digging and we realized that there is this enormous, um, you know, talent pool in Pakistan yeah. of women and they are highly educated. And, you know, I looked around my cousins, my friends, um, you know, they, they have PhDs, they have masters, they, you know, and amazing women who've also spent a certain period of time, time in employment. So they've worked, um, you know, their areas and there's been a lot of narrative about, about let's get women back to work, you know, nine to yeah. five. It it doesn't work. You know, as a mother, I know it doesn't work. It's not that, you know, you can't take a model and then say, you know, let's get 85% of women who are not in this space right now and pull them back. I started to have these conversations with women and realized there was... More than financial empowerment, they wanted some meaning, some purpose in their lives, but they wanted flexibility in order to achieve that meaning and purpose. So that, you know, raising their children, taking care of their families was still a big part of how they wanted to continue to live. So we looked at this talent pool and we said, what can we do with this? Um, Very interestingly, you know, you know, everybody listening to us probably also knows that Pakistan uh, has this enormous um, you know after school market it 's pegged at about four yeah. billion usd seventy five percent of all school going children attend after school tuitions and a lot of the you know a lot of the reasoning behind that is the systemic failure of the formal education sector they 're looking for specialized help. Um, but when they're looking for that, that entire market is fragmented, unregulated, so there's no really benchmark if a child has joined a tutor, who that tutor is, what their background is, um, you know, how are you also tracking the progress uh, of that child if he's paying that amount of money from his pocket, how you you know looking at the learning outcomes, improvement improving is this really a solution? So we set out to use the women. Um, you know, train them, give them all the resources required, vet them, give them our learning programs and have them set up learning centers from within their own homes um, and really, uh, you know, launch that as a this micro franchise model that we have. So, um, you know, we got started on our product. Uh, our product today is a math and English program. Uh, it's built by PhDs, experienced teachers, subject specialists. Um, it's built, uh, the technology was initially built by Folio 3, a software house. Um, we eventually developed our own in house tech team, so that tech looks a little bit different. Um, the technology is for recording the learning outcomes, transparency, and metrics. And the way we roll these learning programs out is through our 200 network today of women. Mm-hmm. who are vetted and trained by us to deliver these programs to children in small batches. So uh, now... So children come before pre-COVID.
0: Oh, we'll, we'll get to the COVID part. But I want to know yeah. now, now that you have the product, how did you go about that I have 1,000 customers, 1,000 children, and now I want to do English and math. How did you go about marketing for the first couple of thousand customers?
1: Mm. So our first kind of sell, uh, we took a two-pronged approach, right? So. The first bit where we reached out uh, through Facebook primarily was to the women who wanted to become our teacher partners. Mm-hmm. Once that cohort was ready, we took a two-pronged approach. So these women are sitting in their communities already, right? And we wanted to use their uh, them as influences within their community. They're the best people to speak to people around them. So we gave them this little marketing toolkit and we said, go out and make things happen. So whether it's putting a flyer on your local you know, dhaba, your local corner store, or it's shooting out messages through your WhatsApp groups. You know, people need to buy into you as well as the product and the brand.
0: You're activating them as brands with your
1: platform. We did. Absolutely. And at the same time, there was a macro, macro marketing effort, uh, which we ourselves as a team did. Um, a lot of that was digital. Um, so we put out Facebook ads, we spoke about the product, well, we put ourselves out, you know, we spoke about what this was, um, you know, the books, the technology, how it all works. Um, and we took it from there.
0: Was it hard convincing people of the idea?
1: So let's separate the two. So the women, uh, which is where we started, absolutely. So initially, um, you know, speaking about, and I hope not to get too technical, but our conversion rate uh, in the number of applications that would come in. So we were looking at about 1,500, 2,000 women who were applying to us initially. Out of them, we would end up uh, converting only 3.8%. Okay. Uh, to You know, and why that happened. So. On multiple fronts, so a lot of them, you know, obviously the process and the system was eventually refined, um, but a big part of that was this trust deficit, right? You have so many opportunities that you read about on Facebook and otherwise, but it's a new company. Are you guys real? Where are you based? Are you going to just take our money and bounce? It's not a free, you know. We were we were taking a, a one time cost. We were taking a one time fee for the from these women to train them. Yeah. So there were a lot of questions. Um and we literally, Lena and myself would get on the phone and have a chat with them and then call them in and those initial contracts were signed face to face, sitting opposite these women talking through uh, everything with them. You know, sometimes they would bring their husbands and their children into the office and there would be this back and forth, you know, up up, you know, pele, contract pele. Uh, you know, you build
0: Trust ye, as you go Like that initial kind of, you know, onboarding where you're getting supply set and you're trying to build that reputation mm. logon Why is that? Why is it Pakistan? Why is it
1: I think it it runs very very deep right it's how we operate Uh, and it really goes down to you know from the way we're now talking about the customer but really when you think about uh, accountability and how we hold our own teams responsible you know and I really you know we've done a lot of uh, we've done a lot of conversations around this and initially when people also joined us we were talking through Just take yourself back to, I don't know if you've had a lot of education, you know, your schooling in Pakistan, but take Um, yourself back to, um, you know, I, I was speaking to university students here and the way that they were treated, right? There was that log in, log out, the classroom has to be a certain way, you can't govern your own hours, you can't, there's a lot of that. Uh, you know that structure that's based on mistrust. Not even allowing university students to giving them that leeway. Um, you know to say that okay, we trust that you'll get your shit done. It doesn't have to be in these number of hours, or you know you don't have to log in and log out. Um, very interestingly, I was looking at a lot of companies also during this pandemic. You know, up apna camera apne laptop wow. pe entire time that you're working. Know, it just um I don't think micromanagement or trust works. Um, but I understand that up to a certain point, there you also have to earn that trust. Yeah. Um, you know, And a company, you can't, you know, when you're launching anything, um, there, is, there is something to be said for word of mouth. And you build that trust over a period of time. Even when you hire somebody new internally, you build that trust. And then you start to give autonomy. So I don't blame these women there. Some of them came with bad experiences. Uh, they'd given money, they'd transferred money, it hadn't come through. Uh, you know, There's so many scams around. But you do eventually build a reputation and I think that stands for you.
0: And then on the student side?
1: Um, so on the student side, apart from these women then going out and speaking to their communities, uh, we had um, you know a massive effort. So I would say, 60% of it was done through Facebook, and then okay. getting on the phone and speaking to parents. Um, there was a critical component right in the beginning, um, and you know, it, brand activation. So we literally would uh, go in and conduct these sessions inside schools or in you know in the school backyards. Um, what was very interesting, uh, you know, which we did at a smaller level was. These women were teaching from their homes, right? Mm -hmm. So we used to do these open houses um, where we would say, okay, you know, parents of Gulchana Baal 13D, this is the residence that you need to be meeting at. So 30, 40 parents would show up. They would be crammed in this, uh, you know, drawing room or whatever. And we would have, you would just chat with them and we'd be like, this is what we're doing. It makes sense. uh, And they bought into it
0: getting them comfortable with, with exactly what's happening yeah. and, and, and very nice. So it's really understanding the culture and, and the market and, and shifting your product in that way. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. So if you could tell me about, um, like what were some of the most difficult and most rewarding periods of the journey that you've, you've had so far?
1: <laughs> that's a very broad question um i think um the journey is still uh it's uphill it definitely is there um uh, there are a lot of difficulties so i think the most uh, let's start with the most rewarding i think the most rewarding um aspect of doing this is hearing back from the people who are our customers mm-hmm. um you know, my own children are enrolled in our programs and, you know, through friends who are, you know, have their children enrolled. It's amazing to hear about their stories, you know, uh, you know, having a teacher that believed in you or a woman who turns around, uh, you know, we had this one um, teacher partner who wrote about the fact that, you know, she had this beautiful essay that she wrote to us. She spoke about the fact that she was a physiotherapist and she was going through, um, extreme medical problems and no one could really diagnose what they were and it were mental health related um and eventually she joined door in line and you know when she found meaning purpose her home filled with children uh, she started to earn a little bit gain that sense of purpose back in her life uh, and she spoke about what you know what that journey has meant for her so that's been incredible hearing from people at the same time i think uh, i've built a lot of grit uh, over over a period i certainly wasn't uh you know this amenable to taking you know lots of failures learning from them getting up and trying again a large part of that has been uh, building efficiencies into our system uh, you know learning you know that it's a daily kind of thing to really look at your system chart it out build efficiencies sometimes it's a longer term uh, you know uh, reward that you see at the end of the uh, at the end of the uh, you know at the end of a certain period so i think the difficulties there's still difficulties uh, that come our way but you remain work. optimistic we remain optimistic nice. um, Cautiously optimistic. I think (laughs) what we embrace is smart risk taking. So, you know, we were just on a conversation um, and I realize we're on a podcast, but I'll go ahead and maybe be as transparent as possible. So, you know, this we have this weekly uh, meeting, right? Um, That the whole team connects and we're all still working from home. And this week's KPIs were a little bit up and down. And we were speaking about are we really as leaders? Empowering uh, people who work for us, who work with us every day as part of our team, are we empowering them? Uh, are we allowing them to not be afraid of failure so that they're able to take smart risks and really, you know, hack on a daily basis, you know, try a couple of things, see what works, what doesn't work, and really go out there? And um, so we were just talking about that, and we keep, you know, I think, the buck. Uh, you know, it keeps coming back to us as what kind of culture are we creating? Yeah. Two people can't build a company.
0: Of course, it's, it's um, the whole team. It's, 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 it's uh, the whole um, team. Yeah.
1: So, you know, that has been something that we've done a lot of thinking around. What kind of people are working for us?
0: Mahin, I'd be curious. I mean, we're in a very... Key moment in in society and in life right now with this pandemic that's taken over our lives pretty much, and you're in the ed tech space. I'd like to kind of hear how your business evolved, how you mm-hmm. yourself as a leader evolved, how your team evolved. Um, just a little bit, if you could, if you could like share some light on this.
1: Hmm. Um, so, let's get the you know the systems and the business part of it. Uh, So initially there was a lot of uncertainty. We knew uh, somewhere at the end, uh, mid to end of March, this was about 10 days before the lockdown. We knew we had physical classes operational across uh, almost four major cities in Pakistan. And we knew we would have to stop those physical classes. And that meant every single student off of our platform getting wiped. Uh, And we knew that if we did not pivot and iterate fast enough, Uh, you know, uh, that, you know, the company itself, where would we be in the next month? So it was a tremendous team effort. Um, So Lena and I, I remember we spent nearly two days in office. We sat down with each and every person because we had to tighten our belts. Uh, We all had to do pay cuts. We had to do, uh, you know, we had to take some very uh, difficult decisions on the budget we really leveled with everybody, you know, at an emotional level. Uh, once we got the team kind of rallied around this mission that, you know, we have to go online, we have to digitize everything that's physical right now. Um, then we got started. Um, So we got started. Um, We knew we had to do four things. One, we had to overnight train 200 of our teachers to go online. So that meant, you know, how do they teach online classes? What software do we use? We had to digitize all of our learning content um, overnight. We we had blended learning programs before. How do we digitize this? You know, these women can teach online. Um, we had to develop, we had to overhaul our entire system of how we match students and teachers. For everybody who's been following us uh, from the initial part of this conversation, uh, Dot and Line, there's a physicality to Dot and Line that was there, right? So we had these mini franchise centers set up that were very much physical spaces in teachers' homes. They were learning centers in teachers' homes and children were matched to teachers on the basis of proximity, all of that went out the window, and we had to develop a completely new system of matching students and teachers. Um, and then, um, you know, develop completely new SOPs around and quality control measures around online learning. So, all of this had to be done in <laughs> two weeks, um, and we had to launch on the 1st of April, uh, and we had to hit the ground running. Um, so a couple of, you know, pointers there. So one, um, we did all of that. The team really, really came through. Uh, we spent nights redeveloping, re you know, training modules, uh, redoing some parts of tech. Um, you know, it was a really incredible. And then so very, very quickly, we doubled our student intake the following month uh, from what we saw in our physical classes. We lowered our customer acquisition cost by 70 we reduced lead time from two weeks to five days. Um, what else? We had a higher number of teachers that were active in the funnel, so they were taking on each teacher increased her capacity by fifteen percent. Um, so some incredible uh, numbers there, but lots of firefighting happening at the in the background as well. So this was, but I think the biggest takeaway there was we had a lot of these pre notions on how parents and teachers alike are resistant to so many things, right? immense flexibility. I mean, I was blown away. Our teachers, the way they started to conduct these classes, how engaging, went way beyond duty, how engaging, interactive, using students with their first online experiences Uh, and parents, um, you know, imagine we had 15% of our parents who would opt to pay digitally. Yeah. In two months, we had 85% of them being, wow. you, know, uh, you know, and you can speak about that, um, 85%, of you know. So, yeah, so uh, it was very heartening uh, to see that kind of momentum come up in April.
0: That's and, awesome, right? Uh, so it's it's really fast-tracked your trajectory to becoming more of an online really has. Um, business where you can have a much bigger impact on, on people and then really develop um, that coursework and those SOPs that, are scalable yes and really i I like also how you're talking about how your teachers were able to kind of understand that this environment is completely different because you're right like it's it's a very different interaction to when you're sitting in in the or karachi and i'm sitting in islamabad but because Mm -hmm. i am the best suited to be your instructor um, we can still have that but because you need to kind of change that experience online a
1: little bit, right? Absolutely, I think you've touched upon something so crucial here because I think you cannot get at uh, an online experience and try and simulate a physical classroom yeah. uh, in that online experience. You know, in the classroom, we have to do a lot of instructor, and we have to do a in an online setting. Ke it's a different animal. And, you know, a lot of people have asked me, and there have been so much conversation around what is the better medium? Hai? You know, children are children going to become less empathetic? Are they going to not be socialized? You know, both sides have pros and cons. And I think one needs to embrace that. There's not one solution that's better than the other. And we've realized, where yeah. in online setting, if you have a con, you know, something that, let's not call it a con, but something that teachers have to work a little bit harder on is developing interaction, peer-to-peer interaction yeah. between students and getting them to really speak and break out rooms and projects and really bringing interactivity to the, exactly, that you know, interpersonality. Yeah, playing games. I mean, there's so much. They've stepped out of their comfort zones. I mean, I you know, I was on, uh, we were on this call with this teacher. She had, there was a theme under the sea and she set up her entire background and they're sharing these beautiful videos. So there's a lot of pros to this as well, right? You have information uh, that you can share at your fingertips. You can make it into this beautiful experience, uh, physical classroom Benefit tha, yahan pe ek alag benefit hai. the the, the democratisation of education is something that I've really pulled from this
0: yeah
1: uh, anybody gone and access world class material um, so completely yeah, I, I completely it's agree really been, so yeah. Mahin it
0: be would be, be very curious to kind of I mean, I have one more question after this, but I'd be curious to kind of understand what were some of the points data-wise that came out from this two to three months um, of COVID or otherwise that you did not anticipate that really blew your mind?
1: I think one, how many parents uh, signed up? Um, so I think that was you know, just a very core uh, you know, point that came across. Um, that was one. Two, I think um, there is what I personally saw was how inspired you know our initial in push was um, to get these programs of as affordable as possible right um, and to really uh, tap into every parent who was looking for a solution and to continue learning with their children and what was interesting was that Fewer people were signing on at our lower price points and many, uh, it just goes to show how invested parents are to keep their children learning for them to access the best that they can give them. Um, And I really have so much hope in the, you know, in the population of Pakistan and these parents that I speak to, um, you know, and the kind of kids that they're raising and the lens that they go to in this very difficult time to get them the best.
0: That's awesome. So, Mahin, last question for you. If you could describe three of the most important lessons that you've had um, across your journey so far, across your journalism career, across your personal life, across mm. uh, Dot Online. Hmm.
1: Uh, gosh, I've learned so much. Uh, so... I think one would be to, you know, and I touched upon this earlier, would be to not be afraid of um, failing. So, you know, taking a risk, going out there. For me, it's always been, uh, you know, when I look back on this journey, there have been some really tough, uh, you know, parts to just balancing family with. And I know, you know, I'm speaking to women as well it's it's not a linear path yeah. you know success i think is not linear we certainly aren't there yet um but if something speaks to you if there's a passion that you have going out and giving it a shot i think uh, is would be my takeaway and i have no regrets doing that uh, you know going back across my journey i remember we had uh, you know, Shirmeen Obed had reached out to us to do this museum project in Lahore, this museum that they were setting up next to Minare, Pakistan. And we had never set up a physical space. I'm not an interior designer. She said, no, but I, you know, you guys need to do this because we need you to think through this. And remember I was feeding my little one. He was, you know, he was so young. He was three months and, but looking back, it's just uh, to just go ahead and do stuff and other things kind of fall in place. Um, So, you know, really going out and doing uh, and it just having the support of your family uh, really counts. Uh, So that's been a big takeaway to, uh, you know, be okay with failure. And that's when you're okay with taking a risk. Mm -hmm. Um, Number uh, two would be uh, really thinking. I, I think we've done a lot of evolving the person that I was. Uh, You know, leadership, again, has been something that we came upon. I mean, we went from a two-person team to four people and then 20 people. I think that's been a really, you know, there's been a lot of learning there. You know, how to manage people, how to connect with people, what kind of leaders do we want to be? There's this whole uh, mentality in Pakistan, you know, you need to be strict and there needs to be, you know, we kind of, I embraced the fact that I was a woman. And that my style, uh, you know, whether it was empathetic might work. Um, so that was another takeaway that, you know, just to embrace who you are as a leader and, uh, you know, think through some of, you know, the teams that you're building and the work culture that we wanted to build. I think that's been, uh, and we're still learning every day. We're still reading, we're still learning. Um, so there's there's been that. Um, the third, I think, has been, You know, there is immense opportunity and, you know, you guys uh, maybe are more poised, uh, you know, and in a better place to really see that there is immense opportunity in Pakistan. So, you know, being a small part of that uh, really has been incredible. we are, an, you know, one of the few kind of education companies that right from the outset did not want the not-for-profit. Not Sustainability and profitability were a big goal of ours, and we never shied away from that. Um, and I think that's what's driven uh, being ambitious with our targets. That's what's driven a lot of our growth today.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you guys have any comments or feedback, please do send them my way. My direct email address is amad.caravan.vc caravan.vc if you can get more information hasil kar sakte on our website which is www.caravan.vc or on Instagram um, our handle is at caravan.vc Until next time, Khuda Hafiz.